Bibles now, in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter 4, chapter 4, as we all open our Bibles up to the book of Philippians in the New Testament, chapter 4, we'll be reading from verses 10 through 19, 10 through 19, on the subject that is very close to the subject of thanksgiving, and it is about the subject of Contentment, contentment, the secret to a thankful heart. Here Paul expresses his contentment and his gratitude towards the Philippians. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. It says this. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow in a word of prayer before we look into the word of God. Our God, we ask that you would give us understanding in order to apply your word to our lives. We give you thanks, Father, for these are your words. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of year. It's one of my favorite times of year because it allows us to give thanks to God and focus on God without all of the busyness of shopping, without all the busyness of having to wrap a gift or write a card. And it allows us to give praise to God. And it is a wonderful time, wonderfully encouraging, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard because of maybe the circumstances that we're in. And oftentimes, as I mentioned to you, having a good thanksgiving requires that we have a content heart, a heart of contentment. And often discontentment can come when we begin to focus on things from our point of view rather than God's point of view. There's a story about a man named David Livingston. And I'd like to find out how many of you kids here, how many of you kids have ever heard of a man named David Livingston? Have you heard of that name before? Any of you? Okay. I know one guy over there does. He's in college. 
<laughs> well, David Livingston was a missionary, a very well-known missionary who lived in the mid-1800s. And he lived in the mid-1800s and he was a missionary to Africa. And when he got to Africa, of course, you know, there hadn't been very many missionaries there to Africa. What he did was he went on shore and there was a custom. There was a tribal chief that was in charge of a large area. And when you went before a new area, there was a custom. And that custom was this, that you had to take everything that you owned and put it before the tribal chieftain. And he would choose one of those items and then he would give you something that belonged to him. And so what he did is he was very obedient and submissive to the culture of that time. He took what he had. He took his clothes and put them in one pile. He took his books and put them in another pile. He took his watch, which I'm sure the tribal chieftain didn't have. He put that in one pile, one, one, one section. And then he took his goat and he put that in another area. And he had a goat because his stomach couldn't handle drinking the water and the goat would provide milk such that he would have something to drink. Well, and he looked and watched as to what the tribal chief would take. And this tribal chief chose the goat. And in return, the tribal chief gave him a carved stick, something that looked like a walking stick. And here David Livingston was beginning and he was so disappointed because he thought to himself, what am I going to do with this stupid walking stick? And how am I going to have anything to drink because he's taken my goat? And my goat is any, you know, I, I, he had uh, terrible stomach ulcers and he couldn't handle drinking the water. And he began to grumble began to complain and he began to be very discontent in his heart because all he saw was a stick until one of the people of the tribe said to him as they saw him they said that's not a walking cane it is the king's scepter that he holds and that scepter will give you permission and entrance into any tribe in the entire area. And as history would tell us that he gained access to many, many tribes in Africa and many missionaries would come after him because it was such a powerful symbol. The king had given him entrance and he had honored him to a great extent, farther greater than he had anticipated and many people came to know Christ because of a little carved stick that at first he didn't see really what God had intended to give him. And discontentment can come just like that when we begin to see things as just a stick because we don't see what God sees and we look at things from our point of view. Oh, what a terrible situation I'm in. What a terrible job I'm in. What an awful school I'm in or whatever it might be. And we look at the things from our point of view when we see that maybe God has a different purpose for things. And so Paul writes this here letter and he tells us his secret to contentment. He tells us that his, his contentment, that he's learned to be content in various circumstances and he is so happy because these Philippians, Philippians, they were a church in a city called Philippi and here Paul was, you see. Paul was in prison and they had sent a gift to him. They had sent a gift to him and he was so grateful that he writes this letter to them and he says, I'm so grateful that you've revived your concern for me. 
And that, 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 that word revived means, uh, symbolizes a plant, you know. Symbolizes a plant that was dying. But now it's been reinvigorated and it's flowering and it's flourishing once again. And he's so grateful because their concern for him has been revived. And he tells us three keys here. Three keys here in this passage that we've just read about how to have a thankful and content heart. And the first thing that he says is that we need to learn from. Is that we need to learn to be content in any and all circumstances. In any and all circumstances. He says, look, I don't speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. And he begins to go through this list. Whether it's humble means or difficult means, whether he lives in prosperity or in poverty, in every circumstance he's learned the secret of being filled we say to ourselves, boy, how often times it's because of our circumstances that we're not content. Maybe it's a, a job that has been lost. Or maybe you've been having a bum deal at work. Or maybe you don't like the class that you signed up for and it's so hard and the professor is giving you all of this work. Or maybe it's a personal tragedy that you hold inside in your life and you've lost something that you've once had. Or life is not simply how you planned it out to be. If I were planning my life, Sometimes I would think maybe I would plan it different and we would think and we would feel discontent. Why? Because our circumstances outside aren't up to our expectations. It's not exactly how we would want them. And yet when you look at the life of Paul, he had a much worse life than I and of you. When we look in the book of Acts, what does it say? We look in the book of Acts and we see Paul had all sorts of problems. One time when he was in a city, he had a mob that gathered because of what he was preaching and a mob drove him out of town. They went to the next city and what happened there? He was stoned and left for dead outside. And then what? He was beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. And then what happened after that? Well, he was living on the run, always being chased. And his life was always endangered and he would be mocked. He'd be ridiculed. People would make fun of him. People would drag him into court. But he was content even in those circumstances. And he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was whipped. It was often says in 2 Corinthians that he didn't have much sleep for all of you college students. He didn't have much to eat sometimes. And he was physically cold. And he was having a hard time many times. But he says what? He had learned to be content. You know, that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing when you don't have enough food or you don't have enough clothes or you don't have enough of even some of the most basic things, safety, to have a heart of contentment. You know, there was a lady named Fanny Crosby who wrote some of the most famous hymns that we sing today and have been sung all across America some of the most well-known hymns and gospel songs she was blinded when she was a little girl because the doctor thought that he was giving her eye drops to treat her eye when he put something in her eye burned her eyes she couldn't see she was blinded for life and yet her attitude was this when she wrote those psalms she said wrote a little poem oh what a happy child I am Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. 
Do you know what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians? He says, For this momentary light affliction, and he was talking about his own problems, this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison as we look not to the things which are seen, but we look to the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. That's a secret. You see, when we're discontent, we look at our circumstances, we look at our situation, oftentimes we look at what I have, what I don't have, and things like that, rather than looking and seeing and living for what's eternal, what can't be seen, that no one can take away our treasures that we stored in heaven. So we need to learn to be content in every and all circumstances. Secondly, that Paul writes, He writes a very famous verse in which he tells us to rely on God, not our own strength. To rely on God and not our own strength. If we want to be content, we need to rely on God and not our own strength. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, some people take that passage out of context and apply it to anything, you know. Boy, there's this exam I've got to do or whatnot. I've got this task at work. I've got this presentation. And they tell us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's not such a bad application. But in this context, it has to do with being content. I can be content, Paul says. I have the strength because God gives me that strength. As you know, John has just shared a little bit about his wife, and I talked to Wendy and asked her if I could share a little bit with you. Many of you who know Wendy, some of you kids have had Auntie Wendy as your Sunday school teacher, and she's right now in the hospital. And it's been a little bit while now, it's been about a week and a half. She went in a week and a half ago on Wednesday. I remember the, getting a call earlier in that evening telling me that she was in preterm labor. She's only at 22 weeks. 22 weeks, and of course, you know, full term is 37, somewhere around there. And, you know, it's very, very difficult when you're talking about 22 weeks. And she began to be in preterm labor, and she was in the hospital. I got a call really late at night. Nathan and Vivian have been very, very good and supportive friends of theirs. And they had told her that there would be a 90 chance that that baby would be born that night. When you're at 22 weeks, the child is only so small, you can put them in the palm of your hand. That's how small the likelihood of survival would be. Very, very small. Very, very unlikely. And our hearts dropped. Our hearts dropped when you hear that type of news. Your heart sinks. The amazing thing was, of course, as you know, God kept that child in the womb and Wendy is being taken care of very well and God has been very gracious to her but the wonderful thing is is that three days later when I went to see her in the hospital we were sitting there and talking she said this she said you know what he come to the point come to the point that whatever God wants it's God's will and that's okay Because God is in control. That's okay, because God is in control. In other words, it's God's child. Child belongs to God. And our God is in control, and whatever would happen, the child were to be born, the child were to be kept alive, 
God is in control. I asked her again this past week and she reiterated the same thing. And it was such an encouragement to my faith, an encouragement to our faith, because we see the faith of one who trusts in God, even when it's a difficult time. Many people would sit there or lie there in bed bargaining with God or being angry with God because God could potentially take the life of a child, but she trusted in God. Whatever God wants, it's okay because God is in control. And even now, she's in a situation where she's still in the hospital and she's still considered very high risk because that is the situation she's in. And even when she gets out, she'll be on bed rest and... Aside from the circumstances, though, she can rest and rely on God. And that's when a contented life says, you know what? I rely on God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content. It's by the power of God. Thirdly, Paul says here, not only do we need to learn to be content in any circumstance, we rely on the power of God, but contentment comes because we are concerned about others more than ourselves. We're concerned more about others than ourselves. That's what Paul writes here. He says, well, nonetheless, you've done well. He says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. And he says, and my God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, thank you, Philippians, for your gift to me. Thank you for your gift to me. And my thought is, I'm glad that you did, not because it blesses me, it does, but because it accounts to you as a sacrifice of worship, and it counts to you, and it increases your account as a profit for you. The Philippians were looking out for Paul, and Paul in return, he was blessed because he knew they would be blessed by God. And he says to them, God will give you all that you need. That's our attitude. That's to be a contented attitude. One who, who does for others and others do for them. They think about each other. And when our focus is on ourselves and we think, oh, what a miserable chap I am. How pathetic it is. I'm a bachelor still. We think to ourselves, what is the situation I'm in? What about the life I live or whatever and I have or don't have? Or my boss or my school or my work or whatever it might be. And we become discontent when it's all about me. Contentment comes when our focus is on others rather than ourselves because when it's on others, you know what we're thinking about? We're not thinking about how unhappy and discontent we are. Paul thought about their blessing. And the discontentment will rob you of joy that you'll have this Thanksgiving. And what will it become? If you're discontent, this will just be a turkey dinner on Thursday. Contentment will bring to you Thanksgiving. A Thanksgiving that I hope you have. You know, last month in Southern California, we watched on the news as thousands of acres of trees burned around Los Angeles, around San Diego. Almost a half a million acres, in fact, burned. Along with 2,000 homes. And you think to yourselves about the families that have been displaced because of that. The families whose homes are perhaps even severely damaged. And how are they going to celebrate Thanksgiving? Associated Press wrote an article. Some Californians find a silver lining. Because some are different. 
There's a city called Rancho Bernardo in a Presbyterian church in which 60 families lost their homes. But worshippers, it says, met to give thanks. One reporter wrote this, quote, They gave thanks for the big things, for lives saved, families, friendships. They also gave thanks for small things, a hug, a shoulder to cry on. Barbara Warden was one of those fire victims. All she was able to salvage were three boxes of photographs and her grandfather's cuckoo clock. But she too was thankful. No one was hurt, neither in her family nor in her community. And on Saturday before the Sunday service, as Barbara searched through her home's ashes, she discovered a sundial, a sundial that her husband had given to her. The following message was engraved on that sundial. It said this, Grow old with me, the best is yet to come. Grow old with me, the best is yet to come. Barbara mused, that says it all, doesn't it? We have a lot to be thankful for. And that is what God calls us to as well. In a sense, to grow old with God, because the best is yet to come. To be faithful to God, because the best is yet to come. To live in obedience to God, because the best is yet to come. To follow God, because the best is yet to come. To be grateful and content, because it is a command of God to be thankful continually. To be content, for the best is yet to come. And if we have a life that is filled with contentment and gratitude, God will bless. For God is a faithful God, as we have even seen here and heard here in our sharing, that the best is yet to come and that God is one who is good to us. And the secret of contentment comes when our focus is on others rather than so much so on ourselves. When we rely on God and ask God, God help us to be a content people. And that we are a people who can be content no matter what our circumstances are. No matter what kind of job or school that we go to. No matter what kind of, what kind of situation that we're in. We can be content. Because God is our God. And He can help us to have a thankful heart. Let's pray. Our God in heaven... We thank you, Father, for your goodness and for your kindness, for all that you have done for us. And, Father, perhaps even here, there may be times of struggle or decision-making, tough decisions in the future for schooling, tough decisions in life for jobs. And, Father, I pray that though there may be tenuous times, times that we feel perhaps not really secure, times of fear, times of worry, situations that are oppressive, we pray, O oh God, that you would help us to be content so that we might have true gratitude for all that you have done for us. For you are a good God. And may we give you thanks this Thanksgiving. In Jesus' precious name, amen.